We want better schools. We want them now. Stand in our way, and you'll catch these eight black hands with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecki, and Stewart. Join us now for an hour or more of talk on education and culture. Welcome, friends and fam and haters, to another episode of the Eight Black Hands Show. And currently, we only have four of the hands with us, but we have about two more that are about to pop up. Our brother Charles Cole, Dr. Charles Cole, is uh, he's en route to a safe space where that he can, you know, he can jump on and be with us. That'll be happening momentarily. Our other brother, uh, Sharif, will be joining us also because he is also in route, but I think he's going to, it's going to take him a minute or two. We all four were together, just left KC for an awesome event with the Kaufman Foundation called Amplify. I see you are representing Ray with your t-shirt there. Show the people. Amplify. Amplify. All yeah. brown, black, beige, red, yellow, whatever. It's it, it's yeah. whatever. It was, a, it was an event for everybody. We, all the peoples, all the gatherings came away with a bunch of books. Gotta love people who know that the revolution, the revolution will be literate. So they give you books. Appreciate that to our friends and our host in Kaufman. Uh, tonight, we're going to be talking about school choice again. It's a part two to last week's show. And we have a very special guest who's going to be joining us to speak about what does it mean to have a black choice movement? Let's continue the conversation. Let's not just have a one and done and have it uh be over with let's have another show on it so that's what we're doing tonight our guest is going to be uh emory edwards from ed choice in indianapolis uh nationally known to rock a microphone uh emory is deep in the ed choice movement but at the same time he's he's part of the sucker free part of the yo <laughs> i love that energy bro sucker free yes. part of the sucker free uh, 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 school choice movement, and that's what we are. That's where we all want to be because we do need choice, uh, school choice, educational choice options. Period in life is a permanent interest to black people, so we're always going to need that. However, yeah, that does not mean that just because we share that interest with uh, with some other folks that we're always aligned on our on on other policies. So that's what we're going to talk about. What were you about to say, Ray? Come on in. Jump in since it's just me and you here already. Everybody else yeah, is on yeah, CPT bro. time. Yeah, um, bro. So Listen, how you doing, bro? You got the Ray Lister, baby. And so you need to take full advantage <laughs> when you have the Ray Lister on the show. Yeah. Hey, yo, so so set, set it up right, though, bro. Because, like, you know, we're thinking black school choice, but then we also are talking about black choice in general, right? And so there's a difference between the two. They, they correlate down the road. But initially, we're talking about black choice, right? So, like, set us up with that. What, what's black choice for the folks? I mean, black choice is just what we just said. I mean, it's, it's not much more than that. Black choice is we have a permanent interest in being able to determine for ourselves what are the educational uh, uh, pathways that we want to put our young people in. We have a 400-year claim on being the sole determiner, uh, the sole determinant of what type of intellectual development our kids would have and no one should stand in our way. No one should tell us that we can can or can't, what we can or can't have with our children at this point. America owes us too much for us to still have to negotiate that. And I'm going to add, this is part of a broader conversation because school choice is framed with somebody else's uh, policies in mind. We're not talking yes, about school choice. We talk about black choice. 
we have a different mission than white America has when it comes to education. We have 8 million black children who need to get an education that is different than the colonial uh, children need to get. So let's just be clear, the colonial system was built for the colonial children and it's working just fine for them. When it comes to black education and black choice, we need that so that we can develop black power. And the way we're gonna have black power is that we're gonna develop black educational capital. It means we're gonna own the means of production. We're going to own the pedagogical means of production, the instructional means of production, the pipeline of teachers, the educators, how you get to a class, where is the class, what kind of class is it? Is it private, public, charter, whatever it is, we're going to be the deciders. Anyways, I see Charles Cole, Dr. Cole. Thank you, brother. Uh, uh, yes. I, I was trying to, you know, I was trying to, you know, do this up. No, you for did you. it. You did a yeah, good okay. job. But, yeah. but the one, let me tell you, what you, let me tell you, what you didn't do a good job. Well, first okay, off, what did I not do? No, see, no, no. This is first, this is how my people me, like to do. Me on CP time. First off, I was yeah, on yeah. thirty minutes early. Uh, I did yeah. not know that we were buffering and doing all that stuff. But I'm yeah. always on at least right. 20 minutes early for the most part. Don't right. don't be doing right. me like that, bro. Don't play, right. don't play right. with me. Right. I moved. People watching the show tonight, did you see him? Did you see him? People Just, watching you, tonight, oh. did you see him? Did you see him? You bro, didn't you see him, did you? Right, right. You see how they do me, bro? You see how you do, bro? It's all good. Hey, but, but I, I, I got you. I got you. You are always here early. You're he always a, he's usually here on early. This is true. Yes. There's some of us There's some of us that show up as talent. They tend to show up as a 901. Yes. Yeah. Kind of like like Ray. Like Ray does that. Yes. But no, but I but I am so happy about this. And 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 I wanted to have a continuation of that conversation. Uh and let me tell you why, right? One, I was super energized by that conversation that Chris had led last time. And then I saw a good friend of ours, a good brother of ours, tweet. Uh, who actually is in this space and has to be courageous in this space, um, who's a brother and, and probably does not have a bunch of his peers as compadres in the space. And you got to step out on faith. And I heard, and I saw him kind of going in and I wanted him to know that we had his back. So I wanted to continue that conversation and I wanted to basically get into the how of it. Like, what are the practical ways we can do this and then ways that we can support this brother in doing this? So with that, I want to make sure that I introduce this brother right. You know what I'm saying? Uh, one Emery Edwards, he's been in this game uh, over 20 years of event management, community engagement work. Um, I'm not even going to read his bio, man, because he's just a solid brother. Um, and just from the day I met him, he's just always been trying to help me out just personally, the hands collectively and has a relationship with each of us. But he's just been solid. And you could tell that he's been in this work, trying to hold it together, trying to rep for us, trying to rock for us. And that you could tell that there's barriers that have been in his way, but he keeps going. He keeps moving forward. And I just want one Emory Edwards to know that all of us got his back. Uh, but I want to let him talk in his own words and tell us about what this movement needs and what he needs from us in it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Emory Edwards. Bro, and, and you, hey, the way you set it up was perfect, bro. Because one thing I can say about M is M is solid. And there's a lot mm -hmm. of people or whatever that's real liquidy. Right when it comes to <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's going on, fellas? What up, bro? Man. Hey, man, just another Sunday, man. Just trying to make it, bro. So that man. tweet, man, that 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 tweet was heard around the world like a damn earthquake, bro. Hey. What, what what inspired that? Well, and tell us what the tweet was, Emery, because I didn't I didn't say that part. So go ahead, brother. So actually, it was crazy. So y'all inspired it. So you know, most of the time. Y'all know me. I got three little ones. My oldest is seven. My youngest is three. So Sunday nights, 
it's hard for me to get on live. So usually Monday morning, either while I'm at the gym or riding into the office, I'll try to go back and listen. So yeah, that tweet came from you guys because I was catching up on the show and was like, yo, like we really at this point, and Chris knows this because we've been talking all summer about a lot of the stuff that's been going back and forth from different people in the movement, different organizations, this whole anti-CRT, anti-racism, like just fact that they're going wild and crazy over. And I'm like, you know, it's it's at that point to where really is beyond the point where we got to draw a line at say. Hmm. So hmm. I, I kind of set it up because one I already knew what was gonna happen as soon as I put something out, they was gonna go crazy. It was gonna you know start texting and sending emails to my CEO, like, hey, what, what is this little black boy talking about? Okay, let's stop just for a second. <laughs> I just want because this is this is a this is a real zone. So we in the real mm-hmm. zone. This is with our people. Our ancestors have us protected right now in this right. space that we are in, and our ancestors don't play. Let's just say something real. We want a sucker free school choice movement, right? If you send an email about Emory to his CEO rather than addressing him directly as a grown ass man, as if it's 2021, as if it's not 1855, you a sucker. Sucker ass. You a sucker ass. The moment you hit send <laughs> on an email about a grown ass man who isn't yeah. him, yeah, and you think that you, th- bruh, this is not the days where you we got to show right. our papers or where you contact our master. Right. So if you're doing that in the school choice movement, you have proven yourself to be culturally incompetent to the point where you don't need to align with you in the first place. Anyways, I'm sorry. Continue, brother. No, and see what's what's perfect is, you know, I have a relationship with you know my my vice president, half of our upper management, my CEO, to where. We can have these type of conversations. We can challenge each other back and forth. And mm-hmm. I'll tell him up front, like, yo, some of your friends finna, they finna hit you up because they, they're not gonna like what I just said. And, you know, to make it easy, it was one of those where I just kind of went in and was like, hey, my motivation right now is to push and work for a black school choice movement and a black mm-hmm. school choice agenda. Because mm-hmm. I can't ride with some of y'all's agenda. Like this whole, we want to push legislation against anti-CRT, not realizing that any legislation y'all pass for its curriculum affects state dollars. Those state dollars can flow down to charter schools, which is choice for us. If we're talking about trying to do private school choice programs, those state dollars flow down to private school choice programs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if you have politicians limiting what curriculum you can teach, what lesson plans look like for any school that's receiving state funding, that, that eliminates our choice. Mm-hmm. And some of these cats that are doing this are smart enough to realize it. So mm-hmm. they're, they're lying to themselves when they say, oh, we, we support like a, a true school choice movement. No, you don't. Because otherwise no, you don't. wouldn't be pushing for it. So, mm-hmm. you know, of course, once I said they that support, was, They support a white national school choice movement, a white mm-hmm. nationalist school choice movement, which means if you're black, they want you to see the common interest and they want you to fight with them. They want you to let's charge the hill together. Let's make Randy Weingarten the universal enemy and let's just all mm-hmm. go together. Yeah, but, you know, on the way to running and charging that hill, let's talk about the fact that you're trying to pass this other stuff that prevents us from voting, prevents us from participating in our democracy, prevents us from 
having lead free water prevents right. us from giving the water people in, you know, just a whole host of other things. Mm -hmm. You're passing laws in Oklahoma that make it legal to hit uh, Black Lives Matter protesters with your car and illegal to film police officers. You got a whole white nationalist uh, Jim Crow part two uh, policy agenda happening over here, but you want me to charge the hill with you on school choice. Right. But you don't want to talk about this other stuff, though. No, sir. No, sir. Mm -hmm. No, sir. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would even add on to that. And Ray, I, I would love for you to come in before I shift us. But I want to add in on to that, too, is that, you know, for some of these people in a way that I think Emory and Chris have set it up is they're not really concerned about education as much as they're concerned about another wing of expanding the power base that we already have vis-a-vis -vis education. So what I mean by mm -hmm. that is, mm -hmm. is like, so that's why your CRT laws is under attack. That's why we making up these rules. At the same time, you see in Rittenhouse in court and a judge is doing everything he can to cover that little boy and he faking tears and all that stuff. We have to start having a larger conversation around power. And if you do that, you will recognize that this education piece is just another tentacle in that fight around power. So, I mean, part of this black choice movement is not it's about getting better education for our kids. Also, in terms of how we build more black power, executable power that allows us to live the lives that we deserve to live and have kids that can read, be literate and live good lives. Um, so, mm. I mean, I, I love to bring you in, Ray, before I ask that first question. Yeah. So, bro, I mean, like we, we talked about this, right? It's like, yo, you got to be willing to jump out on faith in terms of like educating black kids. Right. And so when we think about this whole narrative of our ancestors and our ancestors got us right. We got to really believe it. It can't just be like, yo, I'm just saying it, right? Without actually believing it. And so if you believe that our ancestors got us, then, yo, we got to take uh, we got to take the bull by the horn in terms of, mm -hmm. like, starting this movement and, 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 and just jumping out on faith, bro. Because, like, we can sit up and we can have conversations ad nauseum about what we need to do for black kids. We can read all the literature that stated pre- uh, and post-Brown uh, reboard that, you know, you had educators that were still doing the damn thing in terms of uh, educating our, our our students, our black black students uh, writ large, um, but but still, you got to have somebody that's courageous, that's willing to jump out there to say, you know what, damn that, I don't really care about this job that I have. Uh, I got enough saved in order to be able to do the things that I need to do for black kids, and then take that risk, right? And then once people see you, once people in positions like y'all see a, a, a brother out there taking that risk somebody that's trustworthy that you know that the funds ain't gonna go you know whatever but it, so somebody that's willing mm -hmm. to take that risk somebody that's trustworthy that's that's gonna do the thing for black kids then people gonna get behind them right and i'm almost to that point i'm like two thousand dollars bitcoin bitcoin needs to go up two thousand dollars more and i'm good i'm there <laughs> <laughs> hey i mean but you know and i'm, I'm gonna go into this piece right because again and y'all don't get to pigeonhole our movement. You don't get to pigeonhole right. and say when black people are talking about choice, they just talking about a proliferation of charter schools or they just talking about vouchers or what. No, 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 no. Choice means choice. Choice right. means I am going to trust the black folks and their parents around what they want to do for their kids. And we're going to mm -hmm. give the same respect that we do to these white moms in middle America that's doing whatever and they get called family parent voices. But every time our black moms or black dads or brown moms or brown dads make a move, then it's like, well, who paying you? Who told you to say that? And I'm going to say mm -hmm. this and I'm not trying to be inflammatory, 
but that's the new way to say nigga. That's the new way to say you stupid. That's the new way to say you don't have enough agency or smarts to know what is best for you. And some of our own people fall into that because we don't know our history. We don't know that we built this whole thing. We don't know that we became the most literate group, the fastest a few years after slavery ended. So with that being said, the first question I want to come to you with, Emery, is from your perspective, based off of how we've set this up, how do we actually make a black choice movement? Well, first it starts with, you know, you guys have heard me say this before. We got to make sure everyone knows the history. Mm-hmm. So what you just brought out, a lot of cats don't understand that, yo, we had our own schools that had master levels, PhD level teachers in primary schools. Like we built this system that really taught us and really grew the black middle class to what we know it is today. And not to say it was taken away from us, but it was with Brown v. Board. So going back and being able to make sure that the masses know that and understand that. So that fear of, oh, we, we can't do this ourselves. No, we can't. Then actually realizing, hey, while they're pushing their agenda, th- there are some that are truly allies that truly believe in school choice for all. And those are ones that will understand that a black school choice movement, a black school choice agenda can live with their movement because mm-hmm. we need those policies to allow us to be able to do what we want to do. My ultimate goal with this work, I want to see more black and brown independent led schools, whether it's charter, whether it's private, but truly school leaders building schools that are committed to truly educating black and brown students mm-hmm. and parents having the ability to choose those schools and the freedom to get their kids there without having to worry about, hey, how am I going to pay this tuition? Mm-hmm. And if you're in a great area where, hey, your local school district has realized the writing on the wall and said, you know what, we're going to make a change and make a shift. And we're really going to start listening to our community and truly build some community schools. And you want to stay in those schools. That's your choice as well. But right now, majority across the country, we don't have those choices. So that's what, to me, a black school choice movement is, like Chris said, truly empowering us to one, know where we came from and be able to rebuild what we have and allow parents to truly have choice. Because right now that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Fellas, go ahead and jump in. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious. I, we, again, we talked about this a little bit before, but, you know, we, we got into, we built the, I think the framework the, 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 around how we should be thinking about it. But now, like the actual how, right? Because I think that's where we, how do, so Ray and Chris, like, what are you thinking about the how? Yeah. So you want to go ahead? Go ahead. So I'll jump in and I'll say there is one condition that starts at the top for me, which is we have to have control of the dollars. Mm -hmm. So your child is allotted a certain amount of money by the government. Your child by state and by federal policy, there's, there's money tied to your child. And if you're not in control of that, full control. Un, like, let's let's just put it out there. Let's be bold. I don't want anybody else to determine what happens with my allotment. I got three kids upstairs. That's three allotments. I, I'm the president of their education. I want full control over the per pupil dollars that are associated with my child because we we confuse money sometimes and think that the money belongs to the building or the people in the building and that they're giving us like some sort of like free service with the money. No, 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 right. no. There is a head count. 
and that headcount generates a certain number of dollars and the kind of headcount that it is generates even more dollars and we don't have control over that it's one of those uh um it's one of those things where it's like this is for you but not really like it's for you but we get to determine how to use it so if we are going to build black private schools if we are going to build new black educational opportunities and new pipelines into things like after school programs that uh serve black children or whatnot and we don't have control of the money it's gonna be very hard to do it so we need control of the money so that we can have like an account that allows us to maybe want to do reconstruction reconstruction.us not a sponsor of the show yet, but they should be. Uh, Reconstruction.us. <laughs> Maybe we want to put them in a private school that's a black uh, built school. We can't have a market though. We can't have a, a market for black private schools if we can't assist with the money part. So this that that for me is the, the precursor to a real black choice movement. Is number one, just fight for the money. Just fight mm. for the right to have access to the money first. So y'all write yeah. that down. We we need to make the fight for the money. We have to have some control mm. over the dollars. Go ahead, Ray. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to jump in here. Right. So I'm going to go a different direction. I'm thinking uh, leadership. Right. And the reason why I'm thinking leadership is because uh, post Brown v. Board, uh, 95 percent of black principals uh, were shifted and reorganized in order to do things that were uh, just beneath uh, beneath their capabilities. Right. So you had folks that were uh, school leaders that had PhDs that were now custodians due to the fact that uh, you know, integration uh, occur, Integration was tried because the integration mm-hmm. never happened, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, first uh, we got to get some of these strong-ass school leaders that are in these white school districts that don't want you there, right? You got to jump out on faith, right? You got to say to yourself, you know what? I'm not wanted here. Let me design something else that I can do because I know that I have the leadership capacity to be able to do this, right? Mm-hmm. And Black parents are going to come. They're going to come. Right. And you just got to have the faith that black parents are going to come and you can't be afraid of failing. Right. You know, some mm-hmm. white folks in this space, the white folks that have failed three times in this space. Right. Um, they'll get like million dollar grants. Then three years later, they'll get 10 million dollar grants and then fell again and then get more money. Right. And so, you know, and you, you got gotta, some black folks that are there too, Ray. Yeah. 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 And then I'm, write a book. I'm, I'm, and then write a book <laughs> and give speeches. So, so no shade, I'm, no shade on nobody specific. And not sh- no, no shade on two two specific that, people, but that was you know. that was that was, that was specific <laughs> yeah. as hell, bro. <laughs> Some people will run schools and they will fail, but then they will write books and go on tour to tell other people but, but, how to but, do well, it. So, I, but I, but I saw, I, but I'm, I'm thinking, but I think Ray is talking about that in a different way, right? Not somebody that failed, left the thing, and then is now trying to profess that they're the best yeah. at this or whatever the case right. is. We're we're talking about failing being an essential part of the process of being innovative. Yeah. And being able to have the right and the space to fail, so you can fail forward in 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 service of black people. I think that's how yeah. you would meant to write. But anyway, yeah. yeah. No, that's, but that's I get what I know what Chris is saying. But that was yeah, a different yeah, Chris, Chris, vibe Chris he was on. I was just being messy. Chris is being messy, and I'm not it's finished, okay. right? Yeah. And so and so also we need to we need to revisit uh we need to revisit standards when we talk about black black children, right? Because like right now you have a school system that's based off of colonial standards, right? That fit colonial students that mm-hmm. are not black. And so we need to reorganize and reshift um, and re-strategize what standards uh, we hold our black babies to. And they can be higher than the uh, colonial system standards, right? Because we know, and we have that internal belief that our kids can succeed. It's just that the bar is set so low and you got 
80 uh, percent of people that don't really believe in our kids, uh, 80 uh, percent of teachers that. Well, I don't know, because mm-hmm. that could be higher because you could have black and Latino people that don't believe in in our babies as mm-hmm. well. Right. But mm-hmm. I don't want to go there right now. But mm-hmm. thinking about the large majority of teachers that set the bar so low for our students, mm-hmm. don't even teach them on grade level. Right. Don't challenge them to be at their best. So we got to look at these standards and hold uh, our black babies to higher standards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I would add on to that. I like that. And I hope y'all are keeping track of what these things said. Right. And I think the other thing and we've talked about this before. I've heard Chris say this. I've heard Ray say this. I've said it. Reef. We've all said it in some form or fashion. It can't be too narrow either. Right. It can't right. just our, our problems are bigger than just the money or just the education. How do we start to rebuild the black village? Like and what I mean by that is as somebody like m- me being homeless is it. it if, if I'm gonna be very honest and vulnerable, it's still a very much a part of my identity. Uh, it's, it's a lot of things that I can't hear or deal with if I'm worried about where I'm gonna live. And this, when, when we was doing this work in Oakland, like there were educational projects, but we was really asking questions like, yo, do you feel, do you have a place to stay? The rent here is crazy. Like we have to figure out ways that our people are okay. So in addition to building this stuff out, like for instance, in addition to the school stuff, who, where are our black contractors that's teaching kids how to work with their hands, whether it's in a school or outside of a school? Where are the like black mental health professionals that's actually helping us deal with the things that we might be dealing with? There's so much stuff that's in there that it might even be difficult for me to like class on and start to do this school thing or whatever. Like, you know, when, mm. when, Jeff, when Jeffrey Canada was talking about, you know, building out the work that he was doing, right? It, it was education was at the center, but it wasn't the only thing. Right. You know what I'm saying? I think that that part is like really, really important. And so, you know, Emery, I'm gonna bring you into this because you're somebody that's doing philanthropy in this work. You know what I'm saying? But I know it's probably tough for you because you're trying to make grants and do do good stuff. But you also got people probably in your family that are that you love or that you care about that's just suffering and struggling in other ways too. So how do we even start to tap into that part. So was it, it's really interesting that you brought that up. So what's crazy this week, I actually had 18, um, 18 people associated with National Urban League Professionals um, in Indianapolis to look at some schools. Three of the schools that I took them to purposely actually focused on social, emotional, all the other issues that kids are dealing with in their schools. Mm-hmm. So being able to understand, hey, if this kid is coming from a home that, you know, power was off or there is violence. There are things that I need to be able to tend to with this kid's emotion, mental health, mental wellness, mental health, before I can even teach them from an educational standpoint. Mm-hmm. All three of those schools realize that. And that's yeah. like built in the design of their culture. All three of these schools had access to food pantries, um, clothing pantries. All of them were connected to community organizations. One right now is actually located in a neighborhood community center. So if a parent comes in and says, you know what, hey, I lost my job. You know what, hey, go down the hall. Um, there's a workforce development office right there and they'll help you. Or like, hey, we, you know, somebody broke into our house, stole all our clothes, we don't have anything. There's direct services right there with those schools to help deal with that. And to me, that's that's that whole nature of really empowering strong black leadership because mm-hmm. When we come from a community, we know exactly what our community needs. 
And when we have the right dollars, the right support to do the things that we need to do, we do them. Which no, those schools, they're all charter schools. Mm-hmm. They're not getting the funding that they should get from the state. You know, they're doing going over and above to ensure that they're living up to their charters, that they're living, you know, outbeating all the other schools in the area from an academic standpoint, plus still trying to meet the needs of their immediate communities and their families. Mm-hmm. And I always tell people, imagine if they got just the same amount of money dollar for dollar, how much more work they could be doing. Mm-hmm. Like they've intentionally realized like, hey, we need full time mental health you know, people in our building and also not just for our students, but for our teachers as well. Because you have to look at it from when you have a class full of students that are enduring stuff and those teachers have to try to build them up and support them. It starts to weigh down on those teachers as well. So that intent of knowing exactly what I need to ensure that my staff and my students are able to thrive and survive is important and is built into their culture. So to me, education starts at the center of that because, again, like I said, we know what our community needs. And we know how to connect our community to the resources that they need to do it. A lot of us grew up around hustlers. So Mm -hmm. we'll figure out how to make it happen. And to me, when I look at those schools, I hear people talk about their traditional neighborhood schools like, oh, that's my community school. No, these schools are true community schools because they understand Mm -hmm. we're going to be here for the community 100%. We need to take that term back for one. We need to take back the term community schools because they got some more to deal with. And I'm going to throw it to Chris and Ray uh, around as we still stay in this piece. But I want to make something very clear because people will take what we're saying. And they'll 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 use it for their own purposes. Right. We Fuck are not people. saying we are, but but I want to be very clear and make it very clear. <laughs> we are not saying because somebody is poor and because somebody is struggling that it's also okay for you as a school apparatus to lower standards. <laughs> like no, we are not, not saying that these things. Like, but but I'm just but I want to say that because that's what people say. Well, what, well, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. No, no, no. Be, and I say this all the time because I was poor, because I was homeless, because of the mental shit. I needed to even I needed to be even better prepared. Like it was in it was imperative that I was even more prepared. You know what I'm saying? But when you talk about mm-hmm. a community school, what does it look like if a school was really about the community? What would be different? How would that feel? How would it feel if you were a parent showing up in that place? How would you feel if you were a teacher showing up in that place? And more importantly, how would you be feeling and what would you be getting? Because if it's a community school and you love me, that means you really educate me. That means you ain't giving me empty grades. That means that you are paying attention to what's going yeah. on with me. But I want to throw that to, to you all. Ray, yeah. I know you was trying to jump in there and you yeah. are somebody who leads so, a system with black yeah. kids in it and you're killing it. So tell me how yeah. to build a community school. Yeah. So first, uh, first and foremost, you got to have you got to hire a staff that's willing to go into that community. Right. And so what you'll have and what you'll see is you'll have folks that come into these communities and they give two shits about the community. Right. Um, they're going back into their suburban life. Right. Their kids are in private schools and like uh, in their homeschool district. Right. Because we don't talk about that as mm-hmm. school choice enough. Right. The mm-hmm. folks that can afford to live and well to do um well-to-do school districts where they have, they can raise the tax cap to raise additional monies Mm -hmm. in order for uh, those kids to have whatever it is they need, right? Uh, We're not able to do that because of uh, funding structures uh, in in certain neighborhoods uh, with Mm -hmm. students of the underserved, right? And so I think it starts with uh, the leader, 
right? And so making sure that that leader that you have in your building has a connection to the community, right? Because a lot of times people take the energy from the leader. And so with me, I'm pulling up. Like I, anywhere, anywhere uh, with regards to like the districts that our school, our school uh, uh, provides services for students, I'm pulling up. I will mm-hmm. myself go to your house, bring you a computer, ride mm-hmm. your bus, ride your bus to make sure that you're doing the things that you need to do on that bus. Right. Because education starts as soon as you walk out your door. I am responsible for you. I don't care what anybody, what anybody else is doing. I, as soon as you walk out of your door, I am responsible for your learning. Right. So when you jump on that bus, I'm responsible for your learning when it's after school and then you jump on the bus to go to school all the way up until you reach your doorstep. Then your parents take over for the responsibility of your learning. I am responsible for your learning. So I'm going to make sure that you have everything that you need in order to be successful. There's not going to be any uh, finger pointing that's saying that the school is responsible for me not being successful. I, I can't go to sleep with that. Right. So when we talk about those wraparound services, we talk about, uh, teachers and educators needing counseling or whatever, right? When you go all in, yo, you carry a lot, right? And so for me, I got to make sure that I'm doing right by people, right? Mm -hmm. In order to, because it's not about, at at some point in your career, when you reach this level, it ain't about the money no more, right? It's about making sure that families have what they need. It's about changing the narrative. It's about changing the direction and the trajectory of, of financial uh, uh, independence for parents, right? Mm. And that starts with college and beyond. And when I say beyond, that means that it's, it don't just start at college. You can go to a trade school and mm. you can do, you can find a good job out of high school if the high school is preparing you in the right manner. And just really quick to piggyback on M's, uh, M's point, wraparound services should be the new normal in schools, right? Wraparound services should be the new normal in schools, not uh, uh, police officers or uh, you know, security officers. Like, uh, no, you the same the same FTE that you using in order to provide a security officer. All you need is 10 more thousand, 10, 15 more thousand dollars that you can go and find in that community that cares about their kids in order to get an additional social worker. Mm. That's interesting. I will. I actually want to push on that. I want to go to Chris too, and I want to push on it not in a negative way. I want to push with you because I do think, and, and, and somebody who's worked in schools, I remember there was like the headlines about taking cops out, taking security guards out. That made the headlines, but parents were like, not. It was a lot of parents that was not feeling that. They were like, it's a lot of stuff that happens here. But I do think that having like those services in there, having that social worker, whatnot. If I think that we should be like when we saw what them dads did, like. How like when we say community school, how can we bring in people in our community? So, for instance, when I was walking to school, the Muslims would be outside and protecting us and making sure we had a clear path to school. What does it look like for dads to be able to walk up and down those hallways in those schools? And you know what I'm saying? Like like we we don't have to think about this thing in the traditional white way in the United States has always been thinking about it. What does it look like for the community to come together to take care of our our kids? Chris, I want to throw it to you because, you know, I know we went a lot of different directions in there, but I want you to kind of close us out on this segment of this black choice piece. Um, just just give me your thoughts. I know you've been hearing a lot and all that stuff, man, but I really you, you came out on fire on this. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I want your vision uh, to be captured. You know what I mean? So why don't you lead us there and I'll transition us after you. So I'll just say, like, um, to start with. 
when I say that uh, we need to own the means of production and education means we really need to own it, which means a black choice movement for us means we got to change all our language. We have to change our mindset. We have to change the way that we think about who owns the intellectual development process of our children. Right now, so much of the language is passive. The school's going to do this for us. The school needs to do this. The school needs to do that. The school mm -hmm. needs to be more open. The school needs to be more this. They need to be more that. They damn near need to come to our house and cook our food for us and eat it for us, right? And then crap it out and wipe our butts, right? Like, like we are putting so much on the you should do for us. And we're asking a colonial system to do that, right? So our language has to start from the, no, we have to. Mm -hmm. If your babies aren't reading, it's your fault. I don't care how much money you have or make. Mm -hmm. This is the this is the conservative side of me right now. Ignorance, <laughs> black, black ignorance in in a in a information age and in an information society is a choice. Right. I want y'all to like Google right now a, a report by McKinsey uh, that and this is about the black community. This is this, this is how McKinsey terms us like because we like to act broken and like we're broken down a three hundred billion dollar opportunity. Serving the emerging, uh, emerging black American consumer, right? Mm. This is a business report on us as a people and seeing us as an asset because they can sell us something because we have $300 billion of an opportunity that they're not picking up on us right now. If we can't educate every single one of our kids, there's something wrong with us, right? Mm. So if you ask me what's a community school, a community school is a school that starts in the community, not there in the system. Go. Not in the system, right? That's a system school. So we got our kids in system schools right now. We got to, if we want community schools, but that means the community needs to do what the communities did with Rosenwald schools is put your own nickels and dimes up for grabs. Mm -hmm. Like start spending some of your own money, right? We spend billions of dollars on makeup. We spend billions of dollars on hair. We spend billions of dollars, but we're broke. We're so broke. We're so poor that we need the colonial system to spit out an education for our kids that we ain't giving them our damn selves. After our, our ancestors had schools in, in underneath trees, in basements, in holes, in, in ditches, wherever they could. And we just so broken down that we need, we need the school to have chicken nights. We need the school to, to provide food and healthcare and everything else and call that a community school. No, sorry, honey. That's still a colonial system school. We're going to upset all the language if we're going to do a real black choice movement. We're going to set, uh, upset all the language because if we want all the power to determine how our kids are going to be educated, that means we have to have all the power to determine how our kids are being educated. Yeah. Right. That's exactly what that means. So the so so Ray, I get it. We want we don't want any leaders listening to this right now thinking, well, tomorrow I don't need to do as much for them because they need to go do it for themselves. I'm not talking some 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 uh, some sucker like, you know, bootstrap nonsense either. You know, for, for the system, mm -hmm. system needs to still be on the hook for what the, for we for what we pay taxes for them to do, because we pay a few taxes. Right. You we sound pay like a tax Mitt, to do so. You sound like Mitt Romney. No, I don't sound nothing like Mitt Romney. <laughs> this is, this is, I don't sound nothing like Mitt Romney. This, this is a sucker free. Uh, uh, this is a sucker free podcast. But the state didn't have your babies. OK. Mm. And the state the state didn't make your churches. The state doesn't own your 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 blocks. Right. Like you should. Right. Well, Chris, I'll do you one better. No. You can leave your kids in the hands of the state and they got a place for them when they're supposed to be school age and they got a place for them when they're supposed to be not be school age no more. Congratulations, Ray. Those are very nice. I was like consumers. Yeah, yes. So, so no, so no, here we go. We can pay hundreds of dollars for shoes, but we can't, we can't buy, make sure that every kid in our neighborhood has materials that help them be literate and numerate.
But you know what, but you, but you, but you know make what, it make I will sense. say this. I'm about, I'm about to bring Sharif. Uh, I'm so glad you made it home safely, brother. Uh, again, as Chris told y'all, we were all together in Kansas City. We've all That's had right. like a day of travel. Uh, so glad you could make it. But Chris, I, I actually don't want to, I'm not giving what you said to the conservatives. I think you were speaking the language of love. I think the language of love is I want the best for my child and that's mm-hmm. by any means necessary. They don't, the Republicans and the right don't get to own how I love my kids. You know what I'm right. saying? So that's right. one, you know, so like, like, let's just kill that. Two, I think what Chris was doing was establishing roles. He is saying as a parent, you have, to, you can't think about what that teacher's doing. You can't be concerned with what that leader is supposed to be doing. As a parent, your role is X. The same way when I'm talking to students, I'm talking to students and your role is Y. And when I'm talking to teachers, your role is Z. And when I'm talking to these leaders, your role is A. Everybody has to play a role. Everybody has a role. And I mm-hmm. think, when, so when Chris is saying that, what he is saying to those other sides, and, 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 and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm just trying to understand it for myself too, I'm not letting teachers and leaders off the hook either. You got jobs to do, but parents, you a damn fool if you leave your child's future in the hands of other people that ain't that is not ordained to love your baby. Uh, Sharif, I'm going to bring you in, but I want to get us in this next segment, and you can be the first after uh, I throw it to Emery. Emery. Yo, yo, he doesn't get no special privileges, bro. He know what he did. <laughs> I, I appreciate you know what you, it Cole. is. I appreciate you, Cole. Hey, Em, good to see you, man. What's right going on, Reef? I mean, you know what? Malcolm opened his one speeches. Like I see my friend, you know, I'm glad to see my friends out here. I see a couple of enemies too. I'm gonna just leave it right there. You know what I'm <laughs> <laughs> listen, man, y'all, you better y'all better get y'all. If, listen, if you can't do a podcast like us, you better get you a group chat like us. But let me tell you. So I'm gonna go into this next segment. And Emery, you are one of the people that's in the thick of it. You are one of the people that's in the work that have been looking out for people that have been trying to make this happen and trying to stay a solid dude the whole time. And it ain't always easy to do all those things simultaneously. So brother, I'm going to ask you, what support do you need to help build this movement from people like us? And you can be specific. You can talk about us specifically. You can talk about black people. You can talk about educators, whatever you need. But right now is your moment to have the camera on you. And what support do you need black man? Um, and I don't know how many times you get asked that sincerely. <laughs> so I mean, from you guys, just keep doing the work that you're doing, man, because these conversations that you're having are the conversations that our people need to hear 100 percent uncut and raw, unfiltered. It, the verbiage that comes down from the movement is too booky. No, they need to hear it uncut, unfiltered and be so have somebody that can tell them and not be afraid to say, hey, we need to have some real hard conversations. We're going to piss some people off. And at the end of the day, we're going to try to bring it all back together. For just black black people in general, we got to stop picking sides mm. and realize if you try this whole traditional system versus charter versus private versus homeschool, all is doing, all they're trying to do is divide and conquer. Mm. If we come together and realize how do we build agenda, build an agenda that's right for our kids, leaving everything on the table. Mm-hmm. That puts us in a better position to actually get what we want. Got you, got you. Well, Sharif, I said I thought you, and 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 that was a that was still a nice answer, Emery. You can also be like, I need this though. <laughs> like, I need, I need, I need oh, people I work with to do this. Yeah, yes. Oh, I'll, 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 I'll soon get there. Yeah. Uh, oh, go, oh, get put yeah. it back on them. Put it back on them. Go ahead. No, we, we need the we need the money. I mean, our black wealthy folks, athletes, entertainers. 
I love the ones that are trying to step into the game, but we need everybody to come in because until we're until we're able to fund this 100% for ourselves, we have to rely on what? White folks. Which means mm-hmm. every once in a while, we got to make sure they feel comfortable, make sure they feel happy. No, we don't. How I work, as long as you cutting the check <laughs> and you giving me the liberty to do what I need, I'm going to take your money and do what I need to do with it. Mm-hmm. But if I have my brother from over here give me that same check, oh, it's a lot easier to go do what I need to do. So I ain't got to jump through no extra hoops. I ain't got to, you know, make this output outcome look good to meet their metrics. Well, <laughs> you, you, you know that dance, you know, doing that dance. But once we're able to fund this movement ourselves and not have to rely on anybody else, that makes the movement that much more strong. Mm. So, Trunks, can yeah. I ask a follow-up? Can I ask a follow-up question? Yeah, go ahead. And then, and, and, and then you oh, bring Sharif in after your follow-up no, question. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Bring Reef in now, right? Even though I don't feel like he I don't feel like he deserves to be brought in. He, yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Go Reef, ahead, Reef. It's on you. Listen, uh, first of all, you know, sorry I'm late to all y'all except the the lister right there you know um <laughs> good to be here yeah i mean I, I was listening all the way you know to drive in man i think y'all oh, hit okay. so many uh points uh and i am cool i know you wanted to like pivot but i'll, I'll just chime in as no, far as like, thing, what i heard no, you, a, need to go. Uh, you know like, like my gut reaction to a lot of that is is you know we have to also just be clear like a lot of times you know and we, chris and i talked about this before on on uh freedom friday like this idea of there's a book out there and there's this uh, Ton of studies and and testimony about how Europe underdeveloped Africa. Uh, what we still have to stay focused on as well, in addition to that, because I do believe this is a global thing, of how these school systems and the managers of it underdevelop, you know, black communities here, right? And so it is a continuation. It's the same thread, the same. I like how you talk about like this colonial kind of outlook, mindset, uniforms, everything. They they move in unison when it when it comes to this. Which means we also have to move in unison, right? And so what Emery's talking about uh, coming together and the landscape, the whole, the black community, you know, uh, whether it's business, whoever it is. And I would say yes, the wealthy, but it doesn't just have to be the wealthy, right? right. You know, um, it could be that that you know how we just uh, James Anderson described that woman when he said like one, she had a single copper penny, and it was for the education of black children. For her to be that clear eyed. You know, in abject poverty, she had a penny, you know, and I want to hear about how much a penny was worth in, in um, the late 1800s. She had a penny and she gave it up. Whatever you think it was worth, she gave it up. And her quote was for the education of black children. So, yes, those who, who have um, more means than others. Chris talks about before everyone could be a philanthropist. Everyone has to be a freedom fighter in this moment. And the thing, the, the two things, you know, I mean, like. Black literacy, the education outside, like that has to be the priority. But it's, it's it's hard for community members. And I get and I agree. At first I popped on. I'm like, whoa, where am I? I thought I was I was, uh, you know, uh, the conservative uh, Chris role. But then, you know, I understand what he was, uh, you know, what he was saying. And it's coming out of love. Right. It's about accountability for all of us. Accountability for all of us. But I, I think it's also I think our community gets mixed messages. Right. Because they don't see a they don't see a permanent where black children's education is a permanent agenda item for any leaders in the black community. 
Mm-hmm. You can't mm-hmm. look at the civil rights organization and say, yep, black children is all. How do you take black children and their education off your agenda? I don't care what year it is. How is that not a permit? Like, yeah, we're going to do other things. Black children, education, black minds matter, their brains, their future, our future. That is permanent. That never comes. That never gets erased. We add to it. It never gets erased. That stays one. I don't, our communities don't see that. And so it, it, I think they get a lot of mixed messages. That's all. Mm, got you. Uh, thank you for that, man. Ray, I want to come to you. Uh, I still, yeah. you, 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 you can definitely yeah. take your comment at Sharif. Uh, I don't want to get in the way. No. I love y'all. No, 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 no. I know no, you got no. your, your follow-up question. Listen, yeah, some no, people I'm get gonna, smoke, I get yo, fired. He don't want nothing. Yo, listen. <laughs> uh, Michelle Obama said, when they go low, we go high. We going high. My mom is so kicking him in the teeth, but go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and the East Coast said we get high. So just <laughs> play. Oh, my God. So, 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 M, so M, on, on, a, on a serious note, bro, we've been to a couple of cities, right? And like we see uh we see some potential and uh in the last in the last uh, couple of cities that we've been in. Uh you do a lot of traveling as well with your work. What uh what cities do you see? as like prime for the takeover, like one step away from like, yo, this is where we should start. This should be the epicenter of the Black Choice movement. Well, I mean, I, I got to talk about where I'm at because I, I, I'm with Chris, you go back to the money. So you have to look at mm-hmm. those areas that have the policies in place right now where we can take advantage of the most of the money. Indianapolis is prime for it. It's pulling pulling the right people together to realize, hey, how do we create this agenda? How do we leave egos at home? Let's stop having this no big stick contest and really do what's best for kids. Now, that's that's that internal fight that we got to deal with, because there's always somebody that says, I want to be, be the leader or this needs to be my idea. Uh, throw all of that out the window and let's come to the table and realize what's best for our kids and move forward from that. I think there's some few. I think there's a few of the areas that, from a policy standpoint, they're ready, but the infrastructure isn't in place. That ground game isn't in place. So, um, I'm a Georgia boy. I grew up in Albany, Georgia. Spent a good part of my life in Atlanta. Atlanta has everything there possible ready. Uh, we just got to stop this back and forth between. Uh, we only want to support the traditional school district or, you know, we don't like charters. Folks in Atlanta don't even realize that they have a tax credit scholarship program that actually is almost universal. So the only reason is actually given to more low-income families or families with low-income need by the actual scholarship grant organizations. Mm-hmm. But on the books, anybody and everybody can access that program. Mm-hmm. But folks in Atlanta don't even know about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, again, it goes to this conversation of making sure that our people have the right knowledge, they know about things, and the people that have that knowledge aren't hoarding it, aren't hiding it from our people. Um, so, bro, if you, if you could get, if you, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing you, right? Because yeah. I, I, want, I want to see it happen, bro. Like, we, we do all this talking about, you know, whatever, whatever. And, you know, Chris always talks about, like, well, I just got wind of this recently about the secret meeting that wasn't actually a meeting, but that should have been a meeting, right? And that's so still gonna be a meeting. We, that's, that's still, still gonna, gonna be a meeting, meeting right? Yeah. Damn that! And we, if we yeah. in Indy, we talking about a meeting in Indy, right? Because Indy could be the epicenter of this Black Choice movement. Who you need to have at that meeting 
what kind of energy needs to be there so we can make it happen, bro? Well, first of all, y'all already there. Yep. Y'all have been here for a few of them. Yeah, I literally just had one last week. Yeah, so it's like Chris said, it's it's it was something that he birthed as an idea, but now this meeting is happening, and multiple multiple meetings will continue to happen because until we plan this agenda and everybody kind of agrees to it and we get everybody centered, that's when the work starts. Once yeah. we have this agenda that we can sit down and roll out to everyone and say like, hey, this has been vetted with the hood. Notice I said the hood first. Yes, sir. <laughs> the hood supports this. Now, when I roll up into your NAACP office, I roll up into your Urban League office, I roll up into your 100 Black Man office and say, hey, here's the agenda that the hood is signed off on. If y'all supposedly, you know, if y'all supposed to support the hood, y'all gonna ride with this agenda, and then we'll see where people really are. Mm-hmm. Those meetings are happening and will continue to happen. And as long as I got people out here supporting the work that I'm doing, we're gonna keep making them happen, and I'm gonna keep connecting with community leaders. I'm gonna keep connecting with parents, and we'll keep connecting with, you no know, YPs, young professionals, because this work don't stop. Got you. Well, before I transition us to the to the final thoughts, I just want to make sure I open it up to the fellas. Is there anything else that you want to touch on? Say, uh, I don't want I don't want you to have to use your final thought for that part. So let me just give you all some room to breathe on it real quick. Um, just jump on I'm, in. I don't I don't go ahead, I'm, brother. I'm jumping in. All right. It's double dutch. I'm jumping in. I learned I learned that in uh, in our conversation at Amplify recently. Right. Because, you know, we got some ball hogs on here. So anyway. Uh, I'm a pass. I'm a pass first point guard, right? And so, me being a pass first point guard, you know, I know a lot of people like to take shots. So, what I want to do right now is, I want to take this time to highlight my brother, Dr. Charles Cole, who is now. I don't know if he wants to tell the location that he's in, but he's about to do some powerful work, right? I also want to lift him in uh, in in the reports that he's putting out, right? I had somebody on my staff, black man on my staff, come to me and was like, "Hey, did you see this report?" Right? Uh, the brother's name was Dr. Charles Cole. I was like, that's my dude. Like, what are you talking about, bro? So, like, I just want you to know that the work that you're doing is powerful. Uh, black men are being lifted by you and your students highlighting the work that's being done in these schools. And so I want to just pay that to you so that you can keep doing this work, man, because it's amazing. I know all the time you talk about, I'm leaving social media, I'm leaving this work. This work so. needs you, bro. I know. But, <laughs> I'll be hey, going to work. I just might leave social yeah. media, but I got you. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Appreciate this work you. needs you, bro. And I just want to, I want to lift you. All right. I appreciate reef, that, man. Reef, Thank reef, you. Reef, reef, and reef you trash. Listen, all I'm going to say is you talking about a ball and all I'm going to say is ball so hard. You know what I mean? Take it to the, uh, you know, you know, the, you know, the two. <laughs> but, you know, oh, one man. thing I would say just that, you know, before you go into closing thoughts, this idea of, um, playing with other people's playbooks. I think that's one of the things that we have to step out. We have to we have to call, whether it's calling people out sometimes, calling people in sometimes, but like we have to recognize mm-hmm. that there are, uh, there's some folks who want, there's like a, a white nationalist playbook. And sometimes folks are using from, who's supposed to be on our camp are using paid, whether they're allies or they are people, you know, they're using pages. And, you know, while they, they think that the, chapter ends at one the white nationalist playbook ends at chapter one that was written by you know justice taney and you know these oklahoma senators and whoever you know all you know those politicians chapter two is written by folks like diane ravage 
Mm-hmm. And if you're if you're using that, you know, uh, Chris and I were talking mm-hmm. about like how many college professors are actually using that as the textbook, using mm-hmm. her writing to train teachers how to teach children. That's chapter mm-hmm. two of the white supremacy. This is the same woman who said teaching black children to have a positive racial identity is like leading them to falsehood. It's like it's a lie. It's teaching them a mm-hmm. lie. Like mm-hmm. that, that is chapter two. So don't think that the book of white supremacy ends at chapter one with your, your uh, locally hated politician. No, no. Mm-hmm. That, like we got to mm-hmm. make sure that we're using the playbooks that, that are in our black blueprint that mm-hmm. they've shown us. And it talks about independence of movement and protecting our children by any means necessary and protecting intellectually, culturally, emotionally. Because when we protect them, that means we're protecting us. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, we're failing at that. In chapter one of the Black School Choice Movement, uh, the Black Choice Movement, or the Black Educational Movement, chapter one, page one, sentence one, is you're responsible. It is on you. It has all been left to you. The devil lied to you when he thought someone else was responsible when he told you someone else is responsible for whatever happens from this moment on. We need a massive mindset change that reestablishes our relationship with our children's intellectual development that puts us in the starring role there. And we allow even our own. So we talk a lot about calling in, calling out um, our community, blah, blah, blah. We, we talk about our community like they are lame sometimes in the hood. We're going to run it by them or we're going to take it to them or we're going to engage them or we're going to involve them or blah, blah. If we have to do that, it means we don't, as a people, have the right mindset about our own children yet. And we got to work on that first. We want every father and mother and grandparent and, and, and person who has a child within their care to, to wake up tomorrow or the next day knowing i am in control mm. this is on me this is not on somebody else and nobody is coming else to, to help because until you get that mindset piece straight then you can't you can talk about everything else the money the knowing yourself the village everything else but you're still not in control and you know what the colonials know it mm. the colonials know they got you because you're dependent on them for the intellectual development of your children. And they're not dependent on us for the intellectual intellectual development of their children. So That's let's just be real. They're not sending us their kids every day to educate. Man. They're not like saying, here's all the, the white kids in America, black people, go do what you, do with them what you will. They're not yeah. doing that, right? If you, if you, if you wanna know what some real ones think about integration, go, go look up Kwame Ture or slash Stokely Carmichael. He, he talked about it with both names. So uh, you will find a lot of what Chris just said. Uh, we're about to uh, go into final thoughts. Uh, you'll be bringing up the, uh, the rear as our guest, Emery. Um, but I want to start. I see the order on my screen. I'm going to go with Sharif first, man. Uh, I'm glad you, one, I'm glad you made it home safely and was able to jump on, brother, and give no, your family my best. Uh, give me your final thought, man. Yeah, I mean, just to, you know, uh, double click. Uh, <laughs> what, what Chris just said. I mean, this is. Oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. Um, I, you know, I, I forgot to cite you, Dr. Cole. You have to use that. But let me just take up some valuable time and just make sure that I say that you. That yeah, shade is not at me. You. That is him and Ray again. Say that that first, and so I, I just want to thank you, and I like to use that and incorporate it sometimes when I talk. Um, but you know, just to, to double down, you know, like what Chris just said, like the most common way that people give up their power is thinking that they don't have any. And so when Alice Walker says that, and you think about what Chris just said. 
like nah listen we we have power and you know like it's nobody's gonna like keep when you're talking about like keeping the children safe nobody's gonna do that like a like a mama bear like a papa bear like a community um aunties and uncles and grandparents we think about that safety with everything except their education and like that's that's number one like and like how do we make our communities like learning hubs where like it's just all these opportunities um to consistently learn you know mama sada she talked about like no one's going to give you the education to, to free yourself and they've always looked if you think about it they've always looked at our people as subservient to them and that, that means they continue to think of it in the subservient like you're not full citizen you can't really vote right <laughs> you can't really live where you want to live you can't really go to the schools that you you think are, are good for your children Right. And so that means that you're not totally free and they've still they still believe. And many of us bought that, that, yeah, we're subservient. We don't have the power. Um, and so that that understanding, that framework, I think, is is absolutely, uh, you know, crucial. And folks have contempt for our children. They have contempt for our history. They have contempt for our contributions, except when they can make money off of it. All of that means that we have to consistently, you know, recalibrate how we're looking at this uh at this matrix you know so we can buy into that piece of paper that proclamation said hey you're free but they never said you could leave that plantation <laughs> you know they never said that <laughs> so you're not really free and that is like what continues to happen over and over again when we're talking about the education of of our children and so i just mm -hmm. think we got to stay you know we got to stay woke um but particularly we got to stay practical strategic deliberate and 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 understand like hey this is a this is all about power uh, but first things first our kids have to be literate and everybody can do that um everybody can band together um to do that so appreciate that man i uh i was gonna go to chris next but i feel like i have to let ray go next so <laughs> I mean, you don't I mean, you really don't I'm gonna, but... I'm gonna go to ray and then chris go ahead brother yeah yeah no doubt yo we ain't gotta say shit Right. If the, ancestors, <laughs> if the ancestors gave us the power or whatever, then that's what we do. We live in power. It's done. Yeah, me. Yeah, me. <laughs> Anyways, cite black women, cite black men, cite people that go through the process of getting their doctorate, uh, making sure that you are doing the things that you now. But yo, anyways, shout out to Amplify. Yo, Amplify brought us down. We had some really good energy. We got time to connect with, with the homies or whatever. Uh, we got yeah. uh, another retreat coming up, whatever, so we can uh, spread some love then and mm -hmm. uh, get on track with the things that we're doing as the Eight Black Hands Collective to bring it to you guys so that you guys can amplify our voices and we can amplify your voices. Um, I just want to take this time to kind of just like have like this healing circle in terms of like, you know, as black men, uh, the type of energy that I get when I get around my homies, right? It's just, it's, it's amazing, uh, the banter, um just like the care that we have for one another or whatever right it's just an amazing feeling and when we're able to get to like live shows and like build our energy off of one another it's totally different from what you guys see as a regular audience on our sunday shows right and so if you want to feel that energy you want to feel that connectedness bring us to your city right we're setting up a uh a, a 12 city tour and if you are super interested and having the homies come and kick it with you in your city, please reach out and we can make it happen. All right. So thank, thank you for that. I'm gonna throw it to Chris. 
You remember you used to watch Chappelle. Remember when like Rick James was telling a story? He said, I, I didn't put my feet in Eddie's couch. And then he said, Yeah, I put my feet in his couch. I, I, <laughs> go, go ahead, Chris. <laughs> uh, so to follow up on Sharif saying that we should stay woke, um, I'm just gonna push back and say that uh I think you should stay awake most of the time, and then you should sleep for six to eight hours a night. <laughs> and then stay awake again and drink plenty of water but you should be everything but woke you know because first of all woke is in the past tense it's been in the past tense for a long time so stay it's awake the gra- it's the grammar police that, that, that's, stay, that's, stay awake for, for most of the day and then, then be sleep for a couple hours, a few hours at least. Every Listen, night. all these six to eight hour people, yeah. like y'all need to stop. Yeah. Get to work. Stop. Stop. Anyways, um, don't <laughs> listen to Sharif. Um, <laughs> I do want to kick it to like uh, the famous poets Ace of Base, who uh, have this famous piece of poetry <laughs> called um, "I Saw the Sign." And there's just a little quote in it in that that beautiful piece of poetry where it says, "I saw the sign, and it opened up my eyes. I saw the sign." And no one's going to drag you up to get into the light where you belong. That's beautiful. Jesus. No one's going to drag you up to get into the light where you belong. It's on you. It is on you. It's your responsibility to be free. Saul Alinsky in the, the 12 rules for radical or the rules for radical has 12 rules. And when he's talking about the rules, he says rights aren't something that people can give you. Rights are something you take. And if someone gives you a right, you should give it back because it's probably not worth anything. And when he talks about like organizing, he talks about it like it is on you. No one is coming to organize you. No one is coming to save you. No one is coming to give you anything. No one's coming to help you get your rights, any of that type of stuff. It is on you. And if you aren't constantly demanding from the haves as a have not, if you are not constantly demanding as a have, you are not doing your duty to humanity. Right. Mm. So when you read the 12 rules, uh, when you read what his 12 rules were, they are pretty cutthroat about getting power from the, the haves. And I think you should like really pay attention to that part about rights, though, is something you take, not something that anybody gives you, because if they're giving it to you, you're already in the wrong kind of power situation as that goes. I, why do I think that's important to say right now in this? He gives an example in, in that book of uh, the government wanted to be benevolent to the women of Mexico once. The Mexican government wanted to be benevolent. So they allowed them to get all of their sewing machines out of the pawn shop, the government run pawn shop, like an, like a, a Jubilee. We're going to get, we're going to forgive your loans and give you your means of production back, which is your sewing machine. We're going to give it back to you. We're going to have kind of like a free day and give it back to you. And it was, there was days where that a few days where that seemed like a good idea and it was great. And a few days later, all of those same, the exact same numbers that had been given back were back in the pawn shop again. And the lesson that he takes as an organizer from that is that giving people something that they should earn or ask for, demand or fight for for themselves is not going to have them value it to be worth anything. Now, those machines were the means of their production, and they went back and rehawked them again because it didn't mean anything after a few days. It was an initial joy of a couple of days, and he gave it back. This is why the most traditional organizers in the world know, I'm not coming to save you. I'm coming to help you organize because organized people beat organized money, and that's the only way you're going to win, but it is your fight. If I'm coming to help you, it's your fight, it's not mine. That's what the Black Choice Movement should be about. That's what the Black Educational Capital Movement should be about. Uh, to, to wrap up what we said here today, you have got to get control of the money. There's just no the first law, the, f- the first law, first page, first book, 
uh, is that you're responsible. The second right after that is you have to be in control of the money. Mm. And by money, I mean the per pupil allocation. Ray said today that we need to concentrate on leadership that allows us to set our own standards, our own assessments, our own way of, of delivering education, what we wanna think about. Charles said we need to rebuild the village because education goes beyond schoolhouse walls. Education, the intellectual development of your children is bigger than the walls of the school that you're trying to put them in. It is everything around them. Charles had told you a million times, he learned how to be Charles and to speak in church. He learned things at a boys and girls club. I learned things outside of work. Uh, um, in, in Out of school time is very powerful. And that is a part of the time of our child's life where we have all the power in that time because we own that time. The out of school time, where kids, you can't stop kids from learning. Kids continue to learn no matter where you put them. So the out of school time, we own that. We could be educating them during that time. And the last thing I'll say, community schools, when we talk about that, what would schools look like if they were real community schools? They would look like the people driving the schools, not the schools mm. driving them. We have our kids in system-centric schools right now. We have them in system schools right now. We need to have them in community schools, but that means that there needs to be a community doing the schooling. And that's where we come in. Got to change our mindset. 100% change our mindset. It's on us. It's on that's nobody else. That's what's up, man. Uh, Emery, uh, man, you've been an amazing guest, brother. I'm going to give you the space. But before I give you the space, brother, just know that you got these four brothers that will fight for you uh, in whatever ways you need us to fight for you, man. So give us your final thought. And then I'll that's wrap right. up. They'll catch all these hands. They'll catch they all can. these hands. They sure can. That's however right. they need to. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so some... So for my final thought, I actually want to shout out a couple of people. Um, again, I had the pleasure this week of having members of the National Urban League Young Professionals um, in my city to basically kind of see what they they made this tour happen. They came they came out with us in New Orleans. Immediately that weekend, left, start asking questions, start building their own little connections, and said, "Hey, we want to go see some of these things that you guys just told us about in action." Um, so let's go to Indy. They planned this trip before I even knew anything about it. And, you know, I spent, you know, two days with them just looking at how we can reimagine education. How can we build um, community schools? How can we take things back? And I was so energized from them because here was a group of young professionals that before they stepped into that room in New Orleans, most of them were completely against choice. And now they're out here looking at like, hey, how can we actually go back in our community and truly own our education? Mm. So that work, that's what really drives this work forward. That's what really motivates and pushes me. Um, and then, you know, being in Indy, I have the privilege of being around some great school leaders, some great black educators that truly care about the community, truly are connected about to the community and are in this fight for the right reasons. They're not in this fight to make money. They're not in this fight to make a name for themselves. They're in this fight to improve the education of our kids and improve our community. So Kiana Warren, Kiana's been in the chat tonight. Um, Robert Marshall, what Robert Marshall is doing over at Vanguard Collegiate um, and being intentional about how he's connecting with his students, uh, especially those that are from hard hit areas where they're dealing with not just mental health, but they're dealing with crime. They're dealing with you know, family members getting locked up. They're dealing with seeing their best friends getting shot and still wanting to come to school the next day. So the work that he's doing to, you know, uplift these kids and show them that they can be great. Nigina Livingston over at Urban Act Academy, you know, 
what she's doing and being intentional in that community. She has the largest number of homeless kids in her school than any other school here in Indy. So that work is hard work knowing that a lot of these kids don't know where their next meal is coming from or if they're going to be in the same house, same location that they were this week, next week. Um, India Johnson, what she's doing at Thrival and just the intentionality of knowing that she has babies walking into that building that need healing and being very intentional to say, you know what, I'm going to sit down with you if I need to bring out some crystals, if I need to bring out sage, if I need to figure out what's going on to get you in your right mind. Before we start working on this education piece, that's what I'm going to do first. So just that intentionality of what these leaders are doing. Um, Fred Yakey over at Providence Crystal Ray. Man, this the intentionality that this brother has about making sure that kids in his building understand like, hey, I'm going to get you to where you need to be. And whether that's going to college, whether that's going to military, whether that's going to a trade school, you're going to come through this door. You're going to come in this door one way. And when you leave out, you're going to be a totally different person. So just the work that they're doing, um, everything that they have on their back and they stand tall every day and they go in and fight every day. So I just want to uplift them and say thank you to you guys for what you're doing. And you guys know our usual crew, everybody that's in this work with us, we take a lot of blows. Um, we have trolls coming at us every day. And you know, we, we give them too, fam. We give them yeah. too. That's yeah. right. <laughs> that's right. But, you know, the fact that we have built this community to where we can uplift each other, we can hold each other down, that lets me know that this fight is going, ain't going to stop. We're going to keep pushing forward because we all we got. And mm-hmm. I want the community to know that you got a whole bunch of people out here that's riding for y'all. You may not see us every day because, you know, like like they say in hip hop, real, real soldiers move in silence. So a lot of times you may not hear about what we're doing. Best believe the wheels are always turning. Like I said before, this, this fight ain't going to stop. We're just going to keep pushing forward. Man, that's been great, man. I appreciate you know that, brother. Don't let, the, don't let this end, brother, without saying. For the suckers. <laughs> the suckers. Say, say it, brother. Go ahead. This is a sucker-free movement that we're talking about here. Don't think you off the hook. We got We ended this real nice. This is real pretty. This is real nice. Well, we about to yet, see some. We about to hey, see hey, some hey, of y'all in these streets. The, hey, put we the camera on him. Put the camera. No, 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 Don't put it on me. <laughs> we about. We about to see some of you mascots. Some of you school choice mascots. We about to see some of y'all in these streets. Don't act like you know us when we when you see us because you suckers and we're gonna identify you. This is a sucker free movement of real people that want to do real things for our people, and you're not one of them. You you want you got a you got a decision to make right now, suckers. This has been hey. protected by the red, the black, and the hey, green. Wait, 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 hold on. Wait, wait, wait. I'm still gonna okay. do my final thought. Don't end yes. right. Don't end it yet, producer. Wait, don't end it yet. Uh, hey, Charles, can I say something real quick? Please. It's gonna be quick, it's a super quick, super quick. 15 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> so so no. anybody that's any any anybody that's inviting <laughs> us to a conference, if you want to have us as the uh as as the main act. Just don't put uh, Dr. Jarvis oh uh, Givens before us. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was great. He killed it. He, he did. Yeah, Shout he out to great. Dr. Jarvis. Uh, he did an amazing yeah. job. So, yeah. um, and, and, and you're welcome. You got an open invite to the show, brother. Um, one, Emery, thank you so much for, for, for being here. Ray, thank you for highlighting my work. I am currently in Cleveland. Um, I, was, I intentionally made sure Kamar and I got out here um, before Thanksgiving because I am we got some some money to like talk to. I want to talk to actual people about what they want to see changed in education. And I don't want the same people that they always talk to. 
And so I'm, you get at least $100 for talking to us. And that's $100 if you talk, your wife talk, your kids talk, all of them. And I know it's Thanksgiving and things are expensive. Bring the whole family because I want to hear from you. Um, I know what it's like to not have meals at Thanksgiving. So we had to get out here um, so much so that I came from Kansas City straight to here. Um, so I'm looking forward to talking to people and you can get more information on that. Um, and then my final thought, I just want to say we said a lot today. Um, the person that I look to and that I, I just feel like in another life, Naeem Akbar is just my uncle. And I feel like when I read his book, he's telling me to sit down and just listen and don't say nothing. So I'm going to leave it on this because Chris started this and we've been talking about it. Um, and I think this captures what Chris was saying. So what Naeem Akbar said and knowing new visions for black men, but he said the vision must be holistic. Apply this to this black choice movement. The vision must be holistic. It must take into account physical and material realities mental and social realities and spiritual and moral realities. Such holistic thinking is difficult for people deeply entrenched in the Western approach to knowledge, primarily a system of analysis that prides itself in this ability to break things down, compartmentalize them and gain mastery through focus on the fragments. Western specialization is both its greatest strength and its greatest flaw, meaning we have been programmed in certain ways of thinking. We limit ourselves. We are in a moment and in a time where nobody is telling you to go to the back of the bus directly because we are automatically doing it. But what does education, what can this movement look like if we stop walking to the back of the bus on our own? What could it look like if we demanded um, and dug deep into our history, dug deep into what we were, what, what is germane to us and actually led this movement with love for our people, not for a system, if anybody is telling you as a black or a brown person that it is your job to protect a system that hates you, that has shown has hated you over and over again, you need to get out of those people's presence. Those people don't love you. So uh, that's my final thought. I don't know how that landed for people, but Naeem Akbar said a lot more than that and I can fully do it justice. Uh, for Emery, for Chris, for Sharif, for Ray, I am Charles, and you have been listening to the A Black Hands. We will see you on the other side. Peace. You have been listening to the A Black Hands podcast with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. If you like what you heard, follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at A Black Hands One. Thank you for listening. <laughs>